Yes. All right. Like uh, David said, I'm Jamie, and uh, my wife Jennifer's right there. We've got three lovely kids as well. Um, but uh, this is a real honor and privilege to get to speak to you guys on Sunday. It's a lot of, a lot of fun, and to let you guys in on a little bit of background on church stuff that you guys might not, may not see. But um, what, in a minute, you're gonna you're gonna hear what I'm speaking about, and then you're gonna think, oh, he and Bo probably worked that out together because what he, you know, the songs that he sang worked great with the things that Jamie's saying. The stuff that Bo said worked great with what Jamie's saying, but we didn't. <laughs> we never talked to each other about it. We both um, we both prayed and talked to God about it, and apparently God was talking to both of us about the same thing. So it's going to be it's really neat to see that happen. I just want to share that with y'all too. Um, you guys may not get to see that as often. But uh, we're going to go to Matthew 22, um, 34 through 40. Um, that's where we're going to be working out of today. Um, I want to talk about something that's uh, pretty much a, a, a basic tenet of our faith. Um, we probably all had the question, so what's, what's the most important thing, God? Okay, we're, we, we want to serve you, we want to do this, so how do we do that? What's, what's the big rules? What's the big commandments? What are the things that we need to do? Um, luckily for us, somebody else asked that in the Bible, so we get to see Jesus' answer, so that's, that's good. That's what we're going to look at. Um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're the, the religious leaders of the day. Um, Jesus wasn't really fitting into their box, and so they were kind of confused, trying to figure out how what he's saying and what he's doing all line up together. So let's, um, let's read this. <clears throat> but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. I think that's awesome. The guy asked for one answer. Jesus gave him two. <laughs> you can't box him in. He's going to tell you the truth, whether it's what you asked or not. I love that. Um, but the first part of this question would have been very familiar to these guys. These guys, the uh, religious leaders, they spent their day memorizing Scripture, memorizing the rules and the laws, and that's, that's what they did. And so the first part uh, comes straight out of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Um, I'm going to read that real quick. Hear, O Israel. Um, It'll be up on the screen in a second. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. Sounds familiar. We just heard that. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now this particular... uh, piece of scripture would have been repeated twice a day by a faithful Jew. Not twice a Sabbath day or twice a holy day or twice a day during this one week a year. No, twice a day. Always. Their, their whole life. So this has been something that was very familiar with them. They would have recognized that. That's, that's what these guys felt like they de- dedicated their entire life to. Their, their whole life was, um, to the best of our understanding, to, to love God is to obey his commands. So we're going to learn his commands. We're going to obey his commands. We're going to do everything in our power to obey these com- the, the laws that we have because that's what it means for us to love God. But Jesus thought, wanted to point out there's a little bit more to it than just obeying commands does not equal love. Um, so he, he, he brought in another scripture. That's what the second answer that you bring in is to love your neighbor as yourself. Like I said before, these guys know the, know the Old Testament, so they recognize, oh wait, this is from Leviticus 19.9. Um, that's our next scripture we're going to read. We're going to look at that, what, what, what's in that scripture. Um, that Jesus was talking about tying these two together. It's not just obeying, it's something more. 
But here we go. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. Not sure what a gleaning is, but I know it's, it's the extras, um, the corners, where they don't get the first time. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen, fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So Jesus is this, this part of the scripture. We're going to keep going. It's going to tie in that part in just a second. This part of the scripture um, shows us how to, um, to treat others, how to um, care for those who are less fortunate. Um, harvesting, that was their job. I mean, we, we have lots of different jobs, but this is very ag- agrarian. I think I get extra points for using that sermon, agrarian. Um, I don't know. I have to talk to David later. But um, agrarian society, so that's what they did. They, they were agricultural. So this was their job. This is, this is how they provided for their families. And so there's, God's telling them, now don't take every single thing that you grow. Leave a little extra for those who need. Leave a little extra. Don't take everything that comes up in your field as yours. Realize that some of this, you know, is for others uh, who need some help. And so basically guard your heart from greediness. Um, make sure that you're, you're, um, um, you're giving, that you're uh, living a life of giving. Continuing on. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. This section is talking about treating people the way you want to be treated. I mean, if you, if you, if you were blind, you wouldn't want somebody to trip you. I mean, that's just, that's just wrong. Um, you know, you wouldn't want somebody to say something about you that you couldn't hear and everybody else laugh. And you're like, what? That's just not, that's not, not how we treat each other. Um, and that's what God's saying. Just treat people the way that you want to be treated. Um, if you've got kids, you've had the opportunity to talk about treating others the way that you want to be treated. You know, if I got a dollar for every time I, I got a chance to say, share that with one of my three kids, uh, we'd be retiring this year, even with the down market and everything. Um, <laughs> but continuing on, um, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. I don't know if you've noticed each one of these sections end with I am the Lord. Um, I, think, I think Jesus is, is, is pointing this out because it's, these are the things we do. This is the relationship. These are the things that we do. This is the relationship. Here we want to treat people equitably. You know, you don't favor the poor because you feel sorry for them and you don't favor the, the, the great or the rich because you want something from them. The truth is the truth no matter what the situation and that's how we should live. That's, that's it. I mean, truth is truth. It doesn't matter who it's applying to. Um, so treat people equitably in light of this relationship. All right, let's bring it home. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So as you can see continuously through here, it's, it's, it's pushed to care for others in light of this relationship. I'm your God, so do this. I'm your God. Love me, do this, do this. And um, uh, Jesus is pointing out to their, there's, you know, the, the uh, religious leaders are looking at, okay, we're obeying, so that means we love you. And, and Jesus is saying, I think you got those backwards. Because you love me, that's the cause, and the effect is your obedience. You obey because of your relationship. You obey out of the relationship of love that you have, instead of, you obey to have 
love towards someone. And so he's trying to, to tie these two together to, to show that to these, um, these religious leaders that um, it's, it's the, they had gotten the cause and effect backwards. We do that in our society too. I mean, if something doesn't feel right on the inside, everybody, on the, everybody says, oh, fix something on the outside. You know, I, I, don't, I just don't, I don't feel pretty. I mean, obviously not me because I always say I feel pretty, but um, other people may not feel pretty, so I need to fix something on my outside. I need a new shirt. I need new shoes or something like that. Or I don't feel successful enough. I know, I need a BMW. I need something really expensive. That'll make me feel successful. Or I don't feel cool enough. I need a new phone that's a computer or it's a computer phone or whatever you want to call it. I need something neat, cool, high-tech gadget. That will make me feel cool. That's, that's what, I mean, that's what we, thousands of commercials a year tell us. Fix it on the outside or fix your inside, but that's not God's kingdom. I think we know that. I think that's, um, I think that we get that, but it's, it's, it's something that we can uh, get twisted around. Um, we bring our brokenness, um, and God fixes us from the inside out. Um, kind of like that song we just sang. Um, but no, we bring, we bring our brokenness, we bring our heart to, uh, to God, and uh, he fixes us from the inside out, and, and, and rivers of living water begin to flow out of us and affect those around us. Um, so getting back to um, the first passage, love God, love people. That's the, the love God, love your neighbor. That's what it boils down to. Uh, let's look at the word love. What does that mean? Let's get a definition, a working definition, because love can mean a ton of things to a ton of different people. So I looked it up. The first definition said Christian love. I was like, awesome, great. That's going to clear it up for everybody. You can't use the word in the definition. I mean, even I know that. But uh, I kept looking, and every, every one of the definitions had love in it. So you guys will just have to, have to take an uh, incorrect definition or whatever. But um, I boiled down to it's unconditional love, sacrificial love. It's unconditional, sacrificial love is what agape, I'm sorry, I should have said that. Agape is the Greek term for this type of love that's used in Matthew 22. Um, it's the unconditional, uh, sacrificial love. I did some more search, uh, research on agape and looked in Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. And I was like, wow, that's a really long title for one book. Um, but <laughs> it had some good stuff in there. Um, it, it said basically love, this kind of agape love, can, can be known only by the actions that it prompts. Um, Christian love, whether exercised toward the brethren or towards men generally, is not an impulse from feelings. It's not just the way you feel and like you feel like doing it. It's the, it's the right thing to do. Um, it does not always run with the natural inclinations. It's not always what you think to do first. Nor does it spend itself only upon those for some affinity is discovered. It's not only for the people that you like. It's for everybody. Love seeks the welfare of all and works no ill to any. Love seeks opportunity to do good to all men, especially towards those in the household of faith. So, again, yeah, sacrificial, unconditional love. Not what you feel like doing, but doing the right thing towards people. Treating people the right way whether you feel like it or not. That's agape. Um, I kind of stumbled onto something else here, and I was, like, and I was looking. Um, there's an English word that's spelled A-G-A-P-E, just like agape, but it's agape. And some of you are like, yeah, I know what that means. I didn't at the time. Um, it means wide open. And I was like, oh, what a beautiful word picture of agape, living life wide open to God and, and wide open to your neighbors. And then I realized, oh, wait, that's not the same word. I don't know if I can use that. But I was like, I want to. So I did some more research to see if I could. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> and I can. So um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the word uh, agape was first used in 1667. Huh? I did some research, didn't I? Um, but uh, the reason that's important is it was in the, uh, the poem Paradise, Paradise Lost, written by Milton. 
And this is a this is a work that he did. It was a very it was an artistic, poetic um, description of God's love, of the creation story, the fall of man. So he'd done all this research on scripture and on God's love, and he coined a new word that meant wide open, and he just happened to spell it A G A P E. So for me, that's clearly enough evidence to use it and run with it. So we're going to use it and run with it. <laughs> but I just thought it was a really good word picture. You know, when you think of what does love mean, what does love it means living wide open to God, not partitioning parts of your life off, not segregating. Well, you can have that, but not my poker buddy. Sorry, I, that's my territory. You can have all the rest. You can have work and church, or, or not my shopping girls. Not not my shopping. Anyways, um, you can't have them. That's that's I'm partitioning that off. Um, it just kind of gave me the, it brought me back to the the Garden of Eden, Eden when when um everyone's created and and it says that uh, there was um there was man and woman and they were naked and felt no shame. And it's just that, that picture of being open, not hiding anything, just being who you are and not feeling any shame. And that's just a beautiful word picture to me. Um, so I'm running with it. Um, let's go back and continue to look at, um, there's another scripture, uh, Luke 10, 25 through 37, that also points back to where we were at in Matthew 22. It's a same kind of situation. Um, Jesus is being questioned by the the religious leaders, hey, you know, what do we need to do to be to have eternal life? They're they're still trying to test him and see where he stands and try to understand him some. So um, here we go. And behold, a lawyer again, a lawyer. I don't know what what's up with that. If you're if you're a lawyer, apparently you test Jesus. No, but th- that was a, that was a term for the guys who studied the law of, of God. They're not like a, our lawyers. But behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life?" And he said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Sounds good. That's what we heard earlier. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Yeah, it says do. Yeah, it says do this and you'll live. It doesn't say just know this. It says do this and you'll live. Jesus wasn't interested in you having all the right answers. He was interested more in how you live. Continuing on. But he desired to justify himself. He, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? I mean, if you're supposed to live wide open to everybody, that's the guy wanted to be like, okay, let's, let's narrow this amount of people that I've got to love down, that I've got to be unconditional toward down some. So he's trying to, to do that. And so Jesus answers, like he always does with a, with, his, with a word picture, not just a word. And so he, he, he tells a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So this guy just got, just got robbed, got everything, even the shirt off his back was taken from him, and he was beat up, and he was left for dead to die on the side of the road. Now, by chance, a priest... Um, priest is like a pastor or a leader in the church at that time. They would have been the intermediaries between God and man. That was their job. That's what they did. They, they uh, functioned um, as that intermediary in the temple. That, that's what they did. So by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, now a Levite would have been like a worship leader. They're the ones who led the, the music, the worship uh, in the temple. He came to the plate to he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side but a samaritan now to uh, the the jewish people listen to this story uh, a samaritan was like the bottom of the barrel these people were discriminated against they were 
they were not liked. The Jews and the Samaritans did not hit their microphone like I just did, did not get along. Um, and so there, there was a lot of strife, and this would have been somebody that a Jew would have really looked down upon. Um, so, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is, a, um, is money, um, and one denarius is basically what a laborer would make in one day. So 100, 200 bucks, I don't know. What you make a day um, is a denarius. So he took two days' worth of money. So he's talking, this is not pocket change. This is real sacrifice here. This is real money he's dealing with. And he gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. Whatever, you, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these threes do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go do, and do likewise. Now to us, that's like, well, yeah, you don't leave someone dead on the side of the road. You help them. Okay, I get it. You know, let's move on. But we don't get a lot of the cultural what's going on, you know, behind the scenes. Um, this would have rocked their world. Uh, these these uh, religious leaders, they spent their, they were radically dedicated to being ceremonially clean. That was part of their law. That was part of what they did. You can't minister at the temple if you're not ceremonially clean. Okay, there was this whole ritual process that they had to do to keep themselves clean. And one of those things was they couldn't come in contact with a dead body. And if they did, they had to be purified. It would take a couple days to a week, depending on what the purification process had to be, details and all that kind of stuff. So if they came in contact with this guy and he turns out that he's dead, they put, them out of, they put themselves out of their calling for a week. They put themselves out of God's call in their life for a week. So they're not avoiding him just because they're mean. <laughs> they're mean-spirited people and they don't want to get... You know, it's, it's because, okay, well, I, I've got to keep myself clean for this. I've got to keep myself clean so that I can minister. And so that's what these guys would have expected them to do. I know that's kind of like, what to us? But for them, they would have kind of expected, okay, well, they've got to stay clean. They're, go, they're probably going to a church service, and if they get dirty, then they can't do the church service. And then what are the people going to do? They're just going to sit there? I mean, somebody's got to run the service. So um, they're, <laughs> they're doing all that. And then there's this Samaritan... Um, who, like I said before, they, the Jews looked down on them because this is a people group that was started, um, basically a group of Jews um, moved and, and married, intermarried with the, the surrounding nations after God had told them not to. They took on their gods of those people and kind of mixed everything up, tried to add to God. And so for the, the Jewish people, these the Samaritans would have been a living picture of disobedience to God. And so that's where at least it started. I don't know, how, you know. That's where the, the, the differences started with them. Um, and so for Jesus to, to praise the guy who they feel like is a living picture of disobedience because his title is this, and to not praise the guys whose title is this, I mean, that just really pulls it out of obedience and puts it into the picture of relationship, of, of having mercy, not necessarily following the law, but having mercy. And, and, and the way that uh, you love those around us. I mean, it's easy for us to sit in our culture on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, and shake our heads at the silly Pharisees. Like, sure, why didn't you know that? But, I mean, there's, there's probably things that we do in our culture that, there's, that Christians from other cultures look at us and shake their head, silly rich American Christians. You know, let's, let's have a little bit of grace here. You know, I mean, just don't get so caught up in that, but um, realize that there's something going on here that God wants to teach us. And, and for me, I believe that Jesus is pointing out that um, you have to get your hands dirty. You can't live wide open to God and wide open to, pe to people 
and keep your hands all nice and neat and clean. Uh, you know, life is messy. People, you know, people's lives are real, and they're, and, and they're going to have some messy gray areas that we're going to have to enter in. You know, we can't just stay in our little holy huddles and like, well, we're clean, though. We're good. We're clean, though. I mean, we've got to get out into, into the world, into our communities, and get our hands dirty. That's what Jesus is calling these people to do. And that's what drove the, the religious leaders crazy about Jesus. He was constantly getting his hands dirty. And they're like, you've got to stay clean. And he's like, no, I don't. And um, as you see in Luke 7, uh, we're going to put that up, Luke 7, 34, um, this is the, the, the religious leaders talking to Jesus. Um, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus came to the people who needed him. He didn't stay in the holy huddle like he was supposed to, so it frustrated the people in the holy huddle because that meant either they got to deny this guy who's doing all this work and teaching with authority or they got to get out of their holy huddle, and they didn't want to do either one of those. And so well, you know what they ended up choosing. Um, but he hung out with the wrong crowd. I mean, the Pharisees are saying, don't you know where the money who's pa- that, where the money came from that's paying for that feast that you're eating? These are tax collectors. And that for us, it's like, well, yeah, IRS. But this was different back then. Th- these guys, which I don't know if you want to eat that. Anyway. Um, uh, but th- these guys would extort money from their own people under the name of the oppressive regime, Rome. And so they would take money from their own people and get rich off the hat. And so that was, that was a real no-no. That was a real faux pas. I think is what I'm supposed to say, not no-no. Um, and, and so he's eating with these people. He's spending time with these people. These are the wrong crowd. What are you doing there? Luke 5, 30-32, the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. There it is again, not worried to be misunderstood. Not worried about getting his hands dirty. He's going to enter into life with the people that need him. He's going to go where he's needed, not where he's supposed to be. Um, he isn't afraid of being misunderstood. So maybe you're asking yourself, why was he so passionate about going this? Uh, John 3.16 tells us, you know, and this the most widely seen, heard, known scripture in America, at least. I mean, everybody's been to the football game with the guy with the clown hair going, you know, John 3.16, you know, everybody's seen that sign but what does it say i mean have we read it so many times that it's just uh, you can just recite it but what does it mean what's really going on what's 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 happening here for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for god so loved the world i mean it doesn't say doesn't doesn't say the jewish people it doesn't say middle-class America. It doesn't say the neat, clean people that are, you know, that I feel comfortable around. It says the world. That includes the people that make us uncomfortable. That includes the people that we don't necessarily like. That includes our neighbor who never cuts their grass. That includes the person in our office who's always talking about everybody. He's, he came because he loves the world. Not just us, not just the people that we like, but everybody. Um, he doesn't want them to perish. Um, doesn't want them to perish, and so he's willing to get his hands dirty. And if we call ourselves little Christ or followers of Christ, that's what Christian means, little Christ. That's the word where it comes from, like you're a little Christ, like a little picture of a Christ, um, of, of Jesus. Um, if that's what we call ourselves, then we, shouldn't we look like him? I mean, if we're saying that I'm a follower of Christ, shouldn't our life be getting more and more like his? 
Isn't that what discipleship's all about? Not knowing, not necessarily knowing all the right answers, but beginning to do the right things. Our lives looking more and more like His. Isn't that what's supposed to be going on? Um, it talks about believe. You know, John three sixteen. It talks about whoever believes in Him. You know, it's easy to say you know, for us. Sometimes we use the term believe as just the same word as know, as you know knowledge, but. That's not the same, and I think we know that when we stop and look at it. We know that believing and having knowledge are two different things. I mean, if you've got kids and you've been in the pool with your kid and say, come on, trust me, come on, jump, jump, come on, you know when they believe you that you're going to catch them. It's when they jump, and until they, until they jump, you're not sure if they believe you or not. They can say, oh, yeah, I know you're going to catch me, Dad, but they're not willing to do it, and that's the same with us. We've got to be willing to jump in there. We've got to be willing to trust God. That's what it means to believe, to to adhere to, to, you know, to press into, to trust in, um, to rely on. And that's what God's calling us to do. So let, I want to I challenge us this week, starting this week. I don't want to just be this week. I want to start this week to be intentional, intentional, to live wide open to God and to the people that are around you. And I know it's the end of May. I know school's getting out. Don't you know what all's going on, Jamie? We've got tons of stuff. School's getting out. We're finishing up soccer. We've got to get signed up for, for swimming lessons. We've got to get our vacation planned. We've got... Oh, and then there's Memorial Day. Come on, really? This week? I mean, there's too much stuff to do. But the, the really cool thing, the, the, the great thing, is God's not asking us to add something to our to-do list. He's just telling us to look at our to-do list through a different lens. God's already sent you people to love. You don't have to go find a whole new crew. You've got neighbors. You've got family. You've got friends. You've got coworkers. You've got people to love. You don't have to go find a whole new group. You know, he sent you to a group, you know? You've got things to do on your list, and it's okay. Do those things with intentionality, with the intention of, you know what? I think I've got to go to the grocery store to pick up bread, but, you know, maybe there's something there. So before I walk in the store, I'm going to take two seconds and say, God, do you have anything else for me here? Help my ears be open. You know, and then just go do it. If God doesn't say anything, fine. If he does, do it. You know, be willing to maybe do something crazy like take a $20 bill, Fold it up twice, put it in a different place in your wallet, and say, God, that's your money. You just show me where to give it. You just show me who to buy something for, who to bless. Just You just show me. And just put it there and just wait. Just wait for God to show you. He will. I mean, that's, that's what we gotta, that's what we got to, to rely on, that God will talk to us. I mean, it says, my sheep know my voice. That's what Jesus said. And if we're his sheep, we'll know his voice. And we learn it by the more we do it, the more we listen to it. That's how we learn it. Um. One of, the, uh, one of our foundational scriptures here at Stonebridge is Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And you guys know if you've been here more than twice, you've heard David say that at least three times. You know, <laughs> we hear it every week. Um, so, but that's a good thing. That's, that's because it's true. And, and that's one of the things that we believe. And that's what I'm talking about here. Um, God's prepared these good works for you to do. God's given you people. God's given you things to do. Like, he's preparing them. All you've got to do is work, get, walk in them. It's not like you have to discover them and to, to, to plan all this stuff. You're just walking in what God's prepared for you. Just doing your day with, with your ears open, listening to God. I mean, it can be something as small as as you, as you go in on your morning commute, on your way to work, just take it five minutes and pray with your eyes open, not closed as you're driving. Don't. Don't close your eyes and pray. That's, that's not a faith issue. That's just dangerous. Um, 
keep your eyes open, pray to God, ask Him, is there something today that I'm not necessarily looking for that you have? Is it, I know what meetings I've got planned, but what do you have planned for those meetings? What meetings do you have planned that I don't know of, that I need to have grace because they're going to interrupt my schedule? Well, just pray. Um, buy somebody's coffee on your way in. Buy the person behind you's coffee. It's, it's you know, it's a couple bucks. You can do that. Um, just listen, listen to God and um, do what he says. Maybe, maybe uh, you're cutting your grass this weekend and, and your neighbor travels or your neighbor's a single mom. Cut their grass too. Take you 30 minutes. Not that big of a deal, but for them, if it's a single mom, that gives her 30 more minutes with her kids. You know, she's doing everything you're doing and your spouse is doing. And so just give her a little bit of time. That's, that's a great, easy thing to do to show the love of God. I care about you. You're worth 30 minutes to me. Just do stuff like that. Um, if everybody on the sides closest to the wall will reach under your seat and pull out a stack of cards, there should be a stack of cards that say, Love, Marietta. We've done two things. Um, we're, we've talked about let's do this, let's live intentional this weekend. We, I've, we've created two things to help you do that. One is there's these cards. Uh, take a few. Um, and when you do these random acts of kindness, this, this love, God, hand it to the person. You'll notice it's not a big... Um, sales pitch for Stonebridge or anything like that. It doesn't say Stonebridge on it anywhere. It's not a big, heavy track about, you know, this is the Romans road. It's, it's just basically to, to let people see um, that there's purpose behind what you're doing. And on that bottom of that, there's a website, lovemarietta.wordpress.com. And so once you've done an act of kindness, when you've done some undeserved act of love, uh, go to our, go to the blog, and comment on the and comment and just give a little bit of what you did, what happened, how God moved. That's it. Just a little bit of it. So then, when people get these cards, they go check it out. They see God moving. They see the tangible love of Christ for our community, for our city. They see a people taking ownership of the climate and the culture in their city. They t- see people that aren't going to just sit around and complain about, like, oh, people drive too fast on that road, or nobody ever takes time for family. They see people who are helping others take time for family. They're helping other people do the right thing. They see the love of Christ. They see that, that um, living water flowing out of people. And um, that's what we want to do. So just go on the website, comment, so that we can see uh, the glory of God moving. Um, one of the, uh, in the uh, Revelation twelve eleven says that they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This uh, is speaking of the saints of God, which are believers in Christ, uh, defeating or conquering Satan. That's, that's what this is talking about. And they did it by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. If you, if you believe in Christ, then you're covered with the blood of the Lamb. You got that part checked. And then the second part of this is the word of their testimonies. It's because testimonies encourage each other, encourage us to keep doing the right, to keep doing these things, to press in deeper. They let other people see, like, wow, these guys aren't just talking about this. They're not just sitting in a holy huddle talking about knowledge. They're like doing something. Like God's moving with them. This is this is this is neat. This is cool. What is that? I want to learn about this Jesus person that would make you ask that guy to lunch because that guy nobody likes that guy. Why would you go sit sit with that guy for an hour? You know, what would make you go cut their grass? What would you make, make you do these things that you're doing? I want to learn about this guy. I want to learn about what this faith that you're talking about is. I want to learn about this. I want to enter into it. And so that's what we're wanting to do. That's what we're wanting to do, share these testimonies, share our stories, and just see a wave of love 
hit our community, hit our city. I mean, we want one of our one of our passions is to see our city transformed. I mean, we, we're connecting with the heart of Marietta. That's that's what we do. This is a way that we can do that. And we'll see our city transformed as we live the gospel in our lives, as we live this wide openness to God and wide openness to our neighbors. And so that's what we want to encourage. That's what we want to do. That's what we're challenging, encouraging, hoping that all you guys will get behind and do as well. Because it, you know, it can't just be me. It can't just be David. It needs to be us. Us is what makes the difference, not just one or two. So if you guys would do that. Um, that's what I got for today. Um, Anna Kate's going to come up. Yeah, if anybody needs more cards, there's more in the back. Um, or just let us know. But uh, Anna Kate's going to come up and uh, lead us. We're going to have some ministry time. So if something that I've said stirred, if there's already, if when I said something, you got a picture of somebody, and you're like, ooh, but I don't want to do that, you know, and you're wrestling through that, come let us pray for you. Um, we want to. We want to partner with you in this. It's not you on your own, and you just got to go do it. It's us. It's we. It's the community. It's the body of believers, us working together. So we're going to take some time, um, have a little ministry time. If you've got prayer needs, even if it's not from what I said, if something else come down, we'd like to pray for whatever it is, healing, just you name it, we'll, uh, we'll pray for it. Um, so we'll pray, and then we'll worship a little bit. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and that you have invited us in to your story. That you've decided to work through us for some crazy reason. What a, what a, a, a beautiful thing and what an amazing honor that we get to partner with you in transforming our city. That we get to partner with you in changing lives. God, we just pray that, our, our, that we would get out of the way and that we would follow you and that you would lead and guide us, and that we would believe that you are taking us to the right place, and that we would just walk in the works that you've prepared for us beforehand. Pray that you would receive all the glory, all the glory from everything that we do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.